Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. As always, I'm your host, Bill Sickens. It's a pleasure to be here this week. Hope everybody had a wonderful 4th of July weekend. I know I enjoyed a little break. I think I really needed it. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi there. So did you enjoy your 4th of July weekend? Yeah, it was all right. Cool. I know, Jeremy, you know, I know where you work. They were doing quite a bit of stuff there. I even saw somebody in a uh, eagle suit. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, there's there's a, there's a few patriots. You know, we had barbecue. and Yeah, they got barbecue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then that works. I, our barbecue ran out of uh, fuel, so. Yeah, okay. Had pulled but, hot uh, I know this year was a little different for me. I usually do a um, a barbecue, invite some friends over and that kind of thing. But I'm in the process of rebuilding my backyard into a smart backyard, which is something I'll go into detail on a future show if I get it to work. But uh, <laughs> right now, the whole thing's a mess. I've got blocks and bricks and pipes and utility lines and no barbecue. So, you know, we work around what we got, I guess. <laughs> but um, it's it's just weird how fast the year is going by that we're already halfway through. Yep. And, uh, you know, and, and this is a, usually a fun time in the year, uh, summer getting in there. And it's a little been a little bit cooler, at least up here in the Oregon area this year, which has been nice. And uh, last year we had had 115 and 117 degree day. That must so, have been uh, insane. It, it was nuts. It was nuts. It burned out my air conditioner. And then it took two months to get the system fixed. And not that that's a big whine, but the point of it is, is it just, it's hard on people. And anybody that's, that's you know, like houseless or not able to, get into an environment that could kill you. In fact, it did. Yeah. Um, there were mm-hmm. a few people that died from heat and it just, you know, so uh, these kind of things can be very, very dangerous, but this year has been a lot better. So that's been, uh, been good. Hopefully it will stay that way and yeah. we'll move forward. So this week on the show, Steve's going to be back. He's doing an interview with an IMDB listed actor. Sounded like something really cool. We're going to be talking about the new in real light AR glasses. This is a product that you can actually buy, but if you want to open up your checkbook, because they're not cheap, <laughs> but they're actually more cost effective than Google Glass. So, you know, it's, I guess, all about the way that you look at it and go from there. We've got an extended Q&A coming up for you later in the show, too. We haven't done that for a few weeks, so it was a good opportunity to answer a lot of questions. So what do we have in the news this week? AI RoboDoctor speeds up sight-saving technology. Yeah, so this is an interesting thing. This was an article that was published in Newsweek, and I was able to talk to the author on this about what's going on here. And this has to do with uh, what they call sight-saving technology. But this idea could really be used across the board. And what it comes down to is you have an AI-driven robot that's able to conduct experiments. Now, they said to me, and it says in the article several times, that this is not being used to replace humans. So I think that's a concern of theirs. But at the end of the day, it does allow them to do the experimentation to develop treatments and whatnot a lot faster than you would be able to do in a regular lab. And, Mm -hmm. you know, from that standpoint, coming up with solutions to problems, this is an area where computers can really, I think, benefit us without taking over, as they seem to say. But Mm -hmm. uh, it is definitely something that using AI robots for carrying out experiments like this are going to be of a great interest to all of us because it's something that actually can speed up cures to a lot of things. And I think it's something that does have its benefit. <laughs> Apps and advertisers are coming for your lock screen and it's going to be exhausting. 
This is one okay, of those things like that this. I hear about. Yeah, I don't no. like this either. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's a situation. Now, this is not actually something that's that is that new. Amazon has had this on a lot of their products, like the Kindles and the Fire tablets and things, if you buy the cheaper version. So the way that they set this up is there was a tablet, let's say it's $100, and that for $100, you get a tablet with no ads. But let's say you want a cheaper one, so you don't mind the ads. So they sell it to you for 60 bucks, but it has ads that are forced into your lock screen, and I think in some other places on it. And if you want to get rid of the advertisements later, you can always pay the difference and it will turn them off. But what this is going is another step where your phone that you've paid $1,000 for or whatever has this where the apps want to deliver advertising to the lock screen on that device and you get really no benefit for it outside of having to look at the ads. And I think this is the kind of technology as a programmer. One of the first things I'm going to do is figure out an app to um, turn this off if it becomes a problem. Yeah, that would that would really tick me off because I I have a very I have my Star Wars stuff on my lock screen or whatever you want to call it the background, and I don't want to see advertising. Hmm. Nope, no ads. I don't need. No, ads. I think a lot I get of people feel that way. Else. And if you've paid for your device, it's uh, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I you know, that's it's an invasion like these of privacy. That's games like and all that stuff. It's. That's like them coming into your house and going, I'm going to put a billboard for McDonald's on your wall. I, I don't want to see that. No, I don't either. You know, not unless I'm a big McDonald's fan and I, you know, live and breathe it, then I'll put it up myself. Yeah. <laughs> I know years ago, McDonald's was actually trying to fire up a satellite where you would yeah. see the M logo in the night sky, and that didn't go over too well either. You'll notice there's no M logo in the night sky. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Scientists develop first-of-its-kind implant that relieves pain without drugs. Yeah, and, you know, this is something I, I've been doing a lot of research on pain management, and a big part of that is because opiates, while they're effective, are also massively addictive, and it's a huge, huge problem that we're dealing with now because of that. So having a different way to deal with pain management is something that, that is something that could be very beneficial. This is an implant, as you said. It's the thickness of a sheet of paper, and what it does is it contains a, a liquid coolant that evaporates at a specific location of a sensory nerve. So what you're dealing with there is actually blocking or removing the pain sensation through this type of a process. And from the science that's been done through it, it seems to work. So the disadvantage is, is for pain management, you would have to have this device implanted where opiates and other painkillers, you could just go to the cabinet and take one. It also would be specific to the part of the body that it's installed on. But hmm. the other side of it is, is that uh, for people in chronic pain, this could be something to where you could really be able to control that without the need for drugs and very addictive drugs in a lot of ways. So again, first of the type of technology, something new coming to the market, it'll something that it will be definitely need to be worked on and stuff over the years. But the bottom line is at the end of the day, is this type of technology I think could be very, very beneficial. CERN scientists restart hunt for answers to the mysteries of the universe. Oh, that sounds like the uh, CERN thing in Europe. <laughs> yeah, I yep. think so. The Hydron so, hydron Collider. Large Hadron Collider. Sorry, sorry, large. That's what yes. that's called. Yes, because it is very large. Yes, and right. uh, it, it's interesting to think because this is actually... Uh, the 10th anniversary of the of the uh, discovery of the Higgs boson, 
And this was something that uh, we talked about a lot. And for most people that probably don't know what that is, this is a building block of what makes stuff stuff. And finding this was a real big deal. And that's something that they wanted to do. And the CERN environment, they've been able to do a lot of research. It's been upgraded a couple of times now. And uh, we've got our next one here where they're turning it back on. So this is actually kind of exciting to all of us physicists that enjoy things like this. And, you know, you see this in pop culture a lot. I mean, the Youngian did a story on it a while back that they had finished all their experiments and the scientists didn't know what to do. So they were throwing rocks and stuff into the collider just to see how that would work. And, you know, you're dealing with very small particles of matter. So that wouldn't really be a thing. But I think everybody enjoyed that story. So. <laughs> hmm. NASA satellite breaks from orbit around Earth and heads to the moon. Interesting idea. And I know when we were talking before we started recording, the question was posed, oh, did they get fed up with the Earth and decide to quit? And, yes. uh, you know, at the end of the day, I wouldn't blame it. But no, that's not what's <laughs> going on here. Um, what we're doing is we're dealing with the idea of eventually putting a space station and inserting it into orbit farther out, either around the moon or someplace else like that. And the ability to put a satellite in orbit and then fire it and have it be able to pick up a new orbit and do that successfully is what the whole goal of this was. And it was deemed successful. Communication was lost with it for a while, but you know, this is all part of the idea of experimentation and learning how these things work. And at the end of the day, it looks like the test, the actual test, after a few little glitches, let's just say, was quite successful. And I think uh you know, something that uh, they'll be definitely building on. Uh, this one costs $32.7 million. Uh, they call it the beginning of a new age for space exploration. So hmm. going to be interesting to see where that goes. Well, we've got a great show for you this week. Don't go away after the break. Steve will be joining us with a great interview. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer. Thanks, guys, as always. Well, I am on the set, a very fun set, of doing some voice recordings for a new animated show called Chico and Paco Adventures. It's a really neat little animated show about these two Chihuahua brothers. And I'm actually speaking today with uh, one of the actors who is portraying one of those lead parts uh, in the show, uh, the part of Chico. And his name is Michael Placencia. Michael, thank you so much for joining me here on User Friendly. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about why what we're doing here in LA in the studios recording your part of Chico. So we're here in Los Angeles getting all of the dialogue, the audio for this brand new amazing animated cartoon. Chico and Paco Adventures, and I'm thrilled to play Chico, and we're bringing it alive. We are. In fact, uh, during the process of doing this, it's been kind of fun because we've gone through the uh, the voice audition process uh, maybe, what, three or four months back, I think. And so it's been fun kind of seeing the part come to life, and you're doing a great job of really animating the character. And uh, which is going to then further help our animators um, 
create the characters, give them their expressions. And a lot of those are going to be based on how you're performing here in the studio. So aside from this show, my understanding is that you have a, a fairly impressive IMDB database resume. So tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've been in. So we could go from the most recent one okay. that is starting to get around the digital streaming. I did a World War II genre film called Seven Lost. Nice. And it's currently streaming on Amazon and it just got picked up by Tubi. And really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're getting, you're getting on to a number of the uh, distribution platforms. Yeah, and also different countries in Brazil. Fantastic. Good mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. So that was a feature-length film. Feature-length film. Yeah. What was what was the part you played in that? I played the sergeant. I'm actually the quote-unquote lead of the of the film. So really, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. How extensive was shooting on that? Like a principal photography. How long were you involved in that? So we actually shot it through the pandemic in 2020 when people were scared to shoot wow. anything. Wow. And it's a war film. I was nervous because <laughs> how can you pull off a, a war film without millions and millions of dollars? Yeah. And then also during a pandemic and we did wow. it and it came out amazing. I'm not just saying that. That is, that's yeah. impressive. I mean, how, how large of a cast would you say that you were dealing with? So there were seven main actors, you know, hence the, the name Seven Lost. So seven soldiers that okay. kind of find, find each other. Uh, through the war. So it was us seven and then add a couple little add-on people. But for the most part, there's seven of us and then a small skeleton crew. Okay. Mm-hmm. About how long was principal photography? How long were you involved on the set? So I went out to California where we shot it. Okay. And I was there for eight days. Then I went back to Atlanta where I live. And then I came back again, I think a month later for another five days. So, so 12 days. 13, 13, 12. 12, 13 days. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not bad for a feature-length movie. Mm-hmm. Those must have been really long days. Yeah, they were. Well, Cold, too. A lot of effects, like a lot of explosions, being that it's a World War II film? There are some, but not a whole lot. Okay. So we don't want to overdo it, but it made uh, it came out great. So yeah. there were there were combat scenes, but it wasn't overdone combat scenes. Right. It was more character-driven by the wow. characters. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, what else? Man, you know, I have did uh, one other one that pops out of my head. I'll have to name it. Um, Enter the Fire. It's okay. uh, Lou Ferrigno. Incredible oh, really? Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, one of the leads in the film, and I had a pretty big supporting role. The reason why I bring this one up is because when I was a child, uh, the Incredible Hulk TV show, the yes, original. with Bill Bixby. Yes, that was one of my favorite shows. Of, of course. I mean, Mr. Ferrigno, I mean, it was certainly his heyday. Mm-hmm. What was it like working with him? I, I understand that he's actually a very, very nice, gentle person. He really is. Yeah, he really is super nice. He was yeah. telling some cool stories from back when he was on that show. Very like, cool. Yeah. It's a, it was an amazing experience. Well, he was just recently, wasn't he just recently in a movie? Uh, I don't remember what it was. It was, um, I keep picturing him being the house owner where his, he's trying to sell his house hmm. and the guy that he's working, Paul Rudd. Okay. What was the name of that movie? Well, I mean, he's doing a lot of movies now, well, so okay. we'll be surprised. <laughs> okay. And this was, this was a couple, this was a number of years ago, mm-hmm. but it was, I wouldn't call it a cameo. It was a bit part. Okay. So he was in a number of scenes, mm-hmm. but it was kind of neat scene. He looks like he's still in great shape. He really is. Yeah. Wow. 
That's yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so what would you say, if you can, what one of your more favorite pieces to have done? Huh. Even, if, even if it's counting one of the ones you just told me about. If I had to pick uh, either a film or a TV show, um, you know, uh, I probably got to go with with TV. So I did okay. a, I actually did a bit part on George Lopez uh, show. Oh, this okay. was back like in two thousand and five. Wow, I had longer hair and okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it, they thing is they still air it on on um, syndication on TV. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. That's okay. No, I remember the George Lopez show. That was when he, it was his mom, Connie, or something. Yes. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. So you had a bit part on I that. had a bit part on that show, yeah. Re- recurring or just one time? No, just one time. Just one time. Show. What was it like working with him? Because I've heard different things about Mr. Lopez. You know, he didn't say a whole lot to me. Okay. He's, I mean, he's very serious about his work. Yeah. Even though he played, that's, you know, Comedy, yeah. My thing, oh, is he goofy all the time? You know, he's pretty serious about his work. Yeah, but I mean, that it is what it is. Wasn't he also a producer of that show? Yeah. So he he wasn't just in front of the camera; no. he was a force behind the camera. Exactly. I've heard that about him. Um, okay, very very interesting. Let's see. That was two thousand five. So how long would you say you've been acting? Since two thousand three, I've taken about okay. a two year hiatus in between there. Okay. Yeah. So when um. How did it come about that you became part of the Chico and Paco adventures? So I shoot my own content comedy stuff okay. with the character. It's uh, Toker El Cholo on Instagram. <laughs> Toker El Cholo. And then I'm also on TikTok. So you do a lot of social media social movies, media. videos. Yeah. Okay. You have, an, you have a pretty big following? Pretty big following, yeah. Nice. On both of them, yeah. Thankfully. Because I understand that you're e- it's even starting to generate income for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thankfully. Nice. Yes, that's the goal. <laughs> Isn't it? It's amazing how social media, these different platforms, mm-hmm. people just kind of tinkering around with cameras and doing these little funny little things that for whatever reason or another really catch on. You get a following and all of a sudden you've got thousands of people following you, supporting you. Yeah. And then people are um, coming after you to be in their cartoon. <laughs> Here we are. Because that, uh, that is how you, that led you to this part. Is that our producer director saw you? Yeah, Yvette Finland. Uh, God, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep, she. That is, see, see what social media can lead to, folks. It can lead to incomes, and it can lead <laughs> to new special gigs. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me here on User Friendly. It was a pleasure getting to know you. Appreciate it, man. All right, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, guys, take it away. Steve, as always, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. How fancy do you want to make your glasses? There's a lot of options coming out for this. And back in the day, uh, you know, the historic times, so six months ago, if you got glasses, <laughs> you would get a pair of glasses. But they're doing all kinds of things now where they're building a lot of different functionality into the frames. And the extent that this goes is dependent on what you want and what you can do. Now, the tech behind this is actually not that new. Google Glass is a thing that's been out for a while. We talked about that, oh, 10 years ago on this show. It yep. didn't really yeah. go too far. They had some problems 
the price point was too high. There were some health problems even with it. And it just uh, was something that never really kind of caught on to the mainstream market. Uh, they are used commercially and they are still made to this day. But that doesn't mean this type of technology is something that is no good or that people wouldn't like. It's just the way that you get it out there. And one thing is, is having to pay $6,000 for a set of frames is out of the budget of most people. Exactly. So, absolutely. We have a couple of different technologies that are actually out now. One of them is the um, Amazon Echo frames, and that gets you access to your smart speaker and a few other things. Those have been out for a couple of years now, and you can get prescription lenses put in and all that kind of stuff. They're a little bit limited in what they do, but it's kind of like the best way that I can explain that is having a Bluetooth headset uh, built into your glass frames. So do now, you some have of to us, be in your home to have that work or wherever you um, have your Amazon Echo? Uh, no, they connect to your phone. Oh, so as okay. long as you have an Android phone, that's how they how they get out to the world. So they will work pretty much anywhere, which is kind of cool because anything that you can do with your smart speaker or smartphone now you can do on the road. You know, so then and, you're walking uh, along and you can just simply ask what you would normally ask your your yeah. your Amazon, and it would work. And then us engineers tinker with them. And if my set does a lot more than the basic, but you know that's just because I like playing with tech. But the thing of it is, is the video standpoint of all of this has been something that hasn't really been adopted. Uh, the Google Glass used a projector that sat on the outside of the lens, and it did work. I mean, it, it did its job. But what we're seeing today are some other technologies that are getting into the market. And I had a chance to try out one. It's made by a company called InReal. Verizon sells them here in the United States, and it looks like a regular pair of glasses. And there's a projector built into the top of each lens at the top of the glasses. Now, it wasn't quite what I expected, to be perfectly honest, because I was hoping for AR glasses that I could just wear while I was going about driving my car, walking down the street, you know, whatever it is I'm doing. And these wouldn't work well for that. What they essentially do is they take the screen from your phone and project it into your field of vision. So if you want to sit down and watch a movie, it's great. It's clear. It works well from that standpoint. But if you were to drive a car like that, it would be extremely unsafe. <laughs> and then the other thing that I noticed, too, that was a little bit of a difficulty for me is when I moved my head, it would move the image out of the range of where I was looking. So it's like I had to look around to try to find the image that it was projecting and then figure out how to get it back into the frame. So, mm. you know, this is a technology that I think is kind of cool and something that will come into its own someday. But this is still something that I felt was very much something you might get and play with, and it would be a lot of fun. But the other thing of it is, is the cost. They run about $600 just for the frames. And then on top of that, you have to buy the lenses to be able to put into them. And that process is also special. So a regular glasses lab can't necessarily put all that together. You have to go through a special process to be able to do that. So it is going to cost you some money. And if you don't have the right phone to run them, you're probably looking at about $1,500 to get the system to work completely from end to end. Wow. So it's still money. It's less than Google Glass, though. That's Well, yeah, to absolutely. really be able to do it. But uh, one of the other things that I thought was kind of interesting about it that for me, I, I don't know, maybe I could have gotten used to it, is they're not wireless. They have to plug into your phone. So mm. the glasses plug into the USB port on your phone, and the phone powers them, among other things. So I found that I ran through my phone battery in about an hour and a half. Oh, my. Yeah, that's and, not so cool. <laughs> you know, because a phone only has one USB port, you can't charge very easily no. while you're using them. If you wanted to do that, you can buy an adapter 
that'll allow you to plug the charger in at the same time. But the problem with that is, is now you're really tethered to the wall because you have to plug in. Yeah. So, you know, but again, I think for what it is and kind of the first product like this, that's for the mainstream, they're kind of cool. They do work. There was uh easy to see. The resolution was good. Not a lot of apps out for them yet, mixed reality apps, but I'm sure that'll be something that's coming. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as a device like this, I think it's the first of many to come. Early adopters will like it, and I didn't hate it. I just think it has a few little bolts that might need to be tightened before it's really ready for mainstream. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we give you answers. And how do you send your questions? I'm glad you asked because everybody does, and it's important to know this to get involved. 503-766-6264 is our phone number, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter or userfriendlyshow.com. Any of those places, go there, submit your questions, and we love to see them. What do we have this week? (laughs) What are social robots? Yeah, we've been seeing this a little bit in the news lately and, um, you know, question out there of what this actually is. And the definition uh, from Wikipedia, at least, is a social robot is an autonomous robot that interacts and communicates with humans or other autonomous physical agents by following social behaviors and rules attached to its role. So there you are. Now, these tend to look (laughs) humanoid a lot of the time. There's a number of different ones out there, but they actually do seem to be serving a pretty decent purpose, especially in situations where you have someone that might live alone and not have a lot of interaction or the ability to interact with other people. This type of technology can be very beneficial. So So is it like a companion? It's kind of like a companion. At least that's the idea. And um, there's a lot of different ways and different ideas of what is being done with this, but the idea of it overall is actually something that's seeming to be pretty cool. And as time goes by, they're upgrading these so that they can maybe go get you a drink or something like that and also be able to interact with you and talk to you. The other thing of it is, if you have somebody that may not be in the best of health or something of that nature, they're also starting to be able to monitor. And if you have an emergency, they can get you help. So that's cool. Depending on the product, depends on what it does. And there's a lot of different options out there. But it is something that's kind of cool. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this a number of times this year, that 2022 will be the year of the robot. And that is mm-hmm. definitely seeming to hold true. Is it true I can play Xbox without an Xbox? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you can just pretend, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, pretending. <laughs> actually, this is true. They are starting to build this technology into some smart TVs. So your television actually has the ability to receive the content and Hmm. you get a controller that'll work with it and that type of a thing. And then you can operate through the television. Now, I would imagine that this probably doesn't work with every game that's out there because a lot of that takes a lot of resources that requires the console, which might not exist in the television. But it is interesting to see where they're going with this. And with the problems that we've all had getting these next generation Xbox and PlayStation 5 and all of that. It does make sense that if there was another option for delivery of content, that might not be the worst idea. Hmm. 
Is there going to be a Stranger Things stage play? Yeah, so interesting question that came out here. The last season of Stranger Things has dropped onto Netflix, and I haven't seen it yet, but from what I understand, it is really being liked. And now, this is an interesting section. series. Oh, so you've seen it. Did you like it? The, yeah. The, well, it's it's in two sections. So we watched okay. the first section of the new new season, and it was great. There, There's a scene where uh, one of the characters, the little red-haired girl, she's running away from the bad guy, and they just did a really cool job. There's cool music, cool effects. It, it, it was done really well. It yeah. was. <laughs> and the second half just no, dropped on the first, so now we got to catch up to the rest of it and, you know. Check that out, too. So that'll be cool. So, yeah, definitely sounds like it's worth checking out. And, yes, there is in the plans a stage play. <laughs> and some spinoffs. Netflix is uh, giving a little bit of information on it and having an, a little bit of access to insider information. My girlfriend worked with the show. It's looking like that, these are things that actually may come to fruition. Now, the stage play could be very interesting, although we did go see a Marvel superhero stage play a few years ago, which I thought was well done. So if yeah, they that do was it right, cool. they can pull it off, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, geez. Is Prime Day worth it? <laughs> Well, that's a good question. You know, we get this question every year. Prime Day is coming up uh, this week. And uh, um, it is, uh, uh, you know, it's a situation for anybody that doesn't know um, that's, you know, maybe been on another planet the last few years. Prime Day is this thing that Amazon started back in 2015. It used to be one day. It's two now. It's kind of almost like Black Friday, but in the middle of July. And the dates bumped around with COVID and some other things the last few years. But the idea is still out there now. Amazon sales have been dropping off recently as things are reopening. People aren't ordering as much by mail anymore. And mm -hmm. I'm finding that it's, that's true for even me, too. I still order a lot from them, but I am going back to my local businesses in a lot of places where just when things were shut down, it was easier to get it by mail. So I think they're hoping for a good year this year. And you can legitimately find a lot of discounts. So technology and that type of thing, which is primarily what we talked about here and what my interest is. But it's not limited to that. It's pretty much anything that you can get on Amazon. And the other thing that I'm noticing is a lot of other stores this year look to be running parallel promotions, just like Black Friday. So if you find um, one of the things I'm looking for is a new Wi-Fi system for my house. So I'm looking at if the price on Amazon, uh, that'll be on special. But Best Buy also has it, so they might have a little better price. So it's worth checking around and looking into these things. Uh, also, uh, from last year's, uh, the last few years, at least, it looks like the way that they have this set up is it's designed to get you to buy more than you might want to. There's kind of this frenzy that they create. <laughs> so I do th suggest <laughs> making a list of what you need uh, so you know what to look for and getting in that way and trying to get out of that impulse buying. We all do it. But uh, their idea of an impulse buy is several hundred dollars. So <laughs> we'll see. Wow. All right. Now, it's a good one. Is the metaverse still a thing? Yeah, but it seems like the shines come off of it a little bit lately. I don't know if it's what's going on in the world, you know, or other things, but uh, six months ago, this was a much bigger deal. And it certainly yeah. still is out there and still is something that is enjoyed. But I haven't seen as much about it in the news and things as uh, as we once did not so long ago. I have a feeling that it might come back. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of investment being made in it and all of that kind of thing. Do you think but it's because end, reality is being a little bit heavy lately and people are pulled more into reality at the moment? Yeah, I think reality has been a lot heavy lately. 
Okay, I and was that trying may be to be part kind. Of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, where VR becomes a thing almost to escape that a little bit. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it is interesting to see the direction that that's going. I don't think it's by any means in the past, but it is definitely something that had a lot more at least hype going on not so long ago. So we'll see what happens with it and, um, you know, check it out and let us know what you think. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. You know, we've been talking a lot about AI this episode. So this is a good topic, I think, that was kind of fun for any of our D&D fans, which we all are, Mm -hmm. is that they actually have someone that taught an AI to play the game. And it turned out that the AI just loves the spell Magic Missile. (laughs) So, you know, I I could deal with that. I mean, we've seen this a little bit already. Skyrim is able to uh, play with you using your Amazon Alexa speaker. These type of things are out there, but that was a little more scripted than this is. And they're wanting to and getting to a point now where they can interact just like any other player would. And since anybody that's played D&D or really any other role-playing game on an ongoing basis knows that a lot of times there's pretty much someone who's late or can't make it or whatever. And part of the game, in order for it to be able to work, requires all of your players to be there. Even having this as a fill-in would be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, and this is something they put through with a lot of the popular 5th uh, edition D&D spells, Fireball, Magic Missile, and the AI turned out to just love Magic Missile. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is just really, really weird. I mean, okay, sure, it won't miss, but I guess it, it also can't hurt your your players. So Yeah, that could- yeah. Maybe, know, maybe the AI in. thought it was a a, a no lose situation. The yeah. AI and the, the magic missile was a perfect thing to use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's you know it's interesting. We've been talking a little bit about the idea of AIs becoming sentient, and there's a lot of debate on that issue out there. Google had that big thing a few weeks ago with one of their engineers, and that's been in the news and still is being argued about. So the idea of this being a thing is not something that really surprises me that much. And that there seems to be some enjoyment out of it is also kind of cool, but it does test things like creativity because you're starting to get into a situation here where it can't really just be a lot of settings in the software and potentially the idea that every possible outcome you've been able to program. I mean, you know, that's not going to be the capability with something like this. So the idea that it would be able to quote, think on its own is interesting. And the fact Mm -hmm. that this really worked is, is really kind of interesting. So, I don't know. We'll have to test this out one of these weeks. And I'm going to have to check out the Skyrim thing, too. I think yeah, that, uh, that could be a lot yeah. of fun. So, yeah. but, That's uh, awesome. Hey, in our last little bit here, any new TV shows? I know a lot of stuff has dropped. We talked about Stranger oh. Things, but there was another one you guys liked. Um, um, Only Murders in the Building. Mm-hmm. The new season of that's coming out. Uh, we've been watching the new season of Orville, Only Murders in the Building, Stranger Things. Um, we Still keep running into uh, other stuff that we remember for a while ago. Like you would just keep rewatching things, but I mean, you know, new stuff's coming out. It's kind of cool. So that's uh, that's the, cool. The so Orville, the new Orville is great. Yeah, check it out. Orville's on Netflix. Yes. 
Okay. No, no Hulu. Yeah. Hulu. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeirdTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.